Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. When Jesus went to the cross, um, Luke's gospel records that there was, uh, there was a man on either side of him that was also being, they were also being crucified. And one of these men looked at Jesus and he saw something, maybe for the first time in Jesus, and I don't know that he had, had heard Jesus teach before, or he'd ever shown up to any of the events that Jesus had essentially hosted, but Jesus was a notable person in Jerusalem in that time. And this, this man that was on the cross, unlike Jesus, was there for a reason. He had committed some kind of crime. We don't know what, maybe he killed somebody, maybe he was part of insurrection, but he was there for a reason. And he, while he was hanging there on the cross, he looked over at Jesus, and he saw Jesus differently. And we just sang this, these words, Christ be magnified in me. What does that mean? That, that Jesus would be seen, right? Seen for who he is in our lives. And so this man looks over at Jesus, and he says to him, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. This is an unbelievable story when you think about what was happening there. Like the very first person to be with Jesus in heaven, to experience the fullness of salvation was this man, this thief or murderer, whoever he was on the cross. And and. And Jesus gave him an invitation in his last moments to come to him. I I don't know, this man maybe had been observing this movement from the outside. And now he was all of a sudden on the inside. And and this morning, if you come to church and you've kind of always felt like an outsider, you've always felt like, yeah, I'm kind of, I know about this Christian thing. And, um, you know, I'll I'll occasionally go into a, a church worship service, or maybe this is your first time. I want you to know that, that Jesus, he sees you just like he saw that man, and he, he gives you a welcome invitation in the exact same way. He wants for you to be part of what he's doing. And so I hope you felt that this morning through the songs that we sung, through maybe the coffee you sipped in the bistro, um, that wherever you are, however guilty you may feel about your own sin, however distant God may feel from you, that today you would know that you are welcome. And so I want to pray to that in this morning. Father, we ask as we open our, your word this morning that we would understand your good news in a new way. Father, that, um, that this time would not be wasted, that we would truly see your love. We would truly understand what you offer to us as your children. So God, would you, as we just sang, would you, Jesus, be magnified this morning? Not anything I say, not anything I do, but may all be about you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, it is that time of the year, I don't know about you, but for, for people who live in the Pacific Northwest, to feel this awakening that happens when the sun comes out. The awakening of spring. 
And um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel it. Like there is something in me when the sun's out. And it was just, it's kind of trying to today. Um, but when it comes out after months of gray, I just feel happy. Um, I, I probably have what's called seasonal effectiveness disorder or SAD um, because I just can't stop talking about the sun when it comes out. And I'm already excited. I'm, I probably had this conversation with five people today, and I'm sorry, but it's supposed to be sunny this week, right? Like there is something that awakens in me. Now, part of it for me is um, when I am outside, like just in nature, like out the water or even in my backyard, just touching some grass, like there's part of me that just feels more in touch with God. Like when I'm sitting inside staring at a screen all winter or, you know, staring out the window longingly waiting for the rain to stop, like I I feel a little disconnected. And something about God's creation when the sun is shining and the birds are chirping and the flowers are blooming where I'm like, okay, God, you're amazing. I feel that. I don't, how many of you feel, are, am I the only one that has sad? Okay. <laughs> and, and this is on purpose, right? Because there is, um, there is something that we feel in our, in our souls um, when we're in God's creation. And I think about uh, Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is speaking about the the glory of God, the attributes of God, the nature of God that is seen just by what is outside. Romans 1.20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, think about that, his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So if you like me, when you're like, your like happy place is somewhere out in nature, like you're, you're agreeing with this statement. Whether you believe in God or not, there is something that is revived in you that is connected with the divine when you are in his creation. And, and Paul basically says, like, you cannot look at all of this stuff and go, well, I wonder if there's a God. Like literally the invisible attributes of God are displayed in his creation. But here's the other thing that's so beautiful is that you're a part of this. You're a part of this creation. Like his eternal power and his divine nature are evident because you and I exist. The breath we take, the face we have, who we are reflects the divine nature of God. Uh, last, a couple years ago, my wife and I were at a um, John Legend concert, and he was singing a new song, and the song was written, I, I believe, to his wife, uh, Chrissy Teigen, who's actually from the Snohomish area, um, and he was looking at her, and he, he was inspired to write this song, and in the song, he sings the, this line, it says, the, the line says, you were made from stardust, the universe is in us. And it sounded so beautiful when Jessica and I were listening to it, but I realized that he was looking at creation in his wife, and he was saying, you were made from stardust. You are a cosmic coincidence. 
You're a cosmic coincidence. So he was looking at what, what so many of us look at, and he, he was interpreting it through the lens of God not being God. He was looking at the invisible attributes of God displayed in his wife, and he's going, what a beautiful accident you are. The, the gospel gives us a much better word than that, doesn't it? That we are on purpose, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that everything that is has been intentionally created. And so this morning, I want to give us a, a simple but I think powerful paradigm that if applied in our lives, I think can, can really transform our faith in life, can, can give us what we need to, to really believe and to follow Jesus with our whole heart. Now, paradigm, I use that word, a paradigm is simply a, a perspective, a set of ideas. And so here's, here's the paradigm that I want to share this morning that's, that's based on all of Scripture, but we're going to look at um, continuing on in Jeremiah from where Lavelle started last week. And the paradigm is this. It's really simple. God has a design. God has a direction and God has a destiny. From the beginning of history, this has always been true. When God created the earth, when he breathed life into the first man and woman, God had a design and a direction and a destiny. And so all of earth, I mean, if you just even look at the fine-tuning of the universe, in order for there to be life to be possible on this earth, the way that the universe is tuned is unbelievable. It's remarkable. It speaks to his beautiful and perfect design. And so from a galaxical kind of perspective, is that a word? I don't know. God has this beautiful design that is perfect. But it's also true at an individual level that each of us are part of God's design. So God looks at everything in its totality and then he zooms in to you. He zooms into you and he sees you. He designed you. He has directions for you and he has a destiny for your life. God's design has always been that his creation, as his creation, that we would have relationship with him. That's part of God's design. That we would know him, that we would be fully known by him, that we would follow his ways so that we could experience the good life that he intended for us. That's part of our destiny. And we are special, uh, humans are special, in all of creation, separate from the tulips that are blooming and the grass that is so green right now, we're separate from that creation in that, in us, God's image is made. We are his image bearers. We are designed for relationship with God. And that relationship was destined to be for eternity. That was God's plan. So then something happens, right? What happens when we decide, you know what? I don't want to follow your directions for my life, God. I'm going to create my own destiny. What happens when we reject God's design and ignore God's directions? 
Last week, Lavelle led us into Jeremiah chapter 29. If you weren't here, it's a story of the people of Israel who are chosen people by God. They had a special relationship with God. And at one point they said, actually many points, they said, you know what, God? We're done following you. We're going to do things our way. So they ignored God's direction. And as a result, they now were rejecting also the, the destiny that God had planned for them. And so God, he's, he doesn't make robots. He says, fine, if you want to reject me, if you want to make your own destiny, I will let you do that. And as we know from, from Jeremiah 29, the people of Israel were, were overrun by, by Babylon. They were taken into captivity. They were oppressed and exiled. So what happens when we reject God's design and we disobey or ignore God's directions? Well, we find ourselves in a foreign place, a foreign land. This happened with Adam and Eve. They were in the garden. They decided, oh, the one thing that God told us not to do, we're going to do that. And then they found themselves outside of the garden in a foreign land. We see it with the people of Israel. We see it with this story, this powerful story of the prodigal son. Are you familiar with the story of the prodigal son? It's a parable that Jesus tells about a son who tells his father, I can't, essentially, I can't wait for you to die to get my inheritance. I want it now. And I want to go do my own thing. And as the story of the prodigal son unfolds, one day, the boy, after spending all his money, the young man, after spending all his money, wakes up in a foreign land eating out of a pig trough. How did I get here? Well, he rejected he rejected the relationship with his father. So what happens when we ignore God's design, we reject it, we find ourselves in a foreign land? How have you seen this to be true in your life? It, let's be honest, even Christians do this, right? If the nation of Israel would disobey God and reject his directions, we do this too as Christians. We will sing the songs on Sunday and then we will... Mm, We'll fail on Monday. We'll do something we know is not in line with God's good design and his perfect directions. And then we go, oh, how did I get here? How did I get here? I was thinking about this idea of following directions this week. How many of you have ever had to put together Ikea furniture? <laughs> Most of us in this room. Um, so on that note, I'm just going to warn you, I'm going to show an image here that may cause some PTSD-type symptoms, okay? May, 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 your trauma may be reignited here. Here you go. One of the things about Ikea directions, as you'll notice, is there's no words. <laughs> just pictures. But one of the things I appreciate is sometimes they have these, you see the little X's? Sometimes they say, don't do this. Do this. Now, here's the thing. Like, some of us, we appreciate directions, but we saw the picture on the front of the box. That's all we need. And so we start to build without the directions. And then we, we call our spouse in and we say, it's done. And she goes, why is it leaning to one side and there's a handful of screws on the floor? Right? Well, it's It'll work. I'll just bolt it to the wall, right? When we ignore the directions, 
most of the time, what we end up do is we blame the designer. We go, man, those Swedish people, they, they don't really know how to build furniture. This stuff's a bunch of junk, right? When we ignore directions, we often blame the designer. Sometimes we do that with God, don't we? God, how did I get in this position? Why have you allowed this to happen? Well, you ignored my directions. Sometimes we use the product outside of its design. And that leads to another issue, the issue of brokenness. We, we, yeah, we put it together right, but we're not using it for its intended purpose in its intended way. There's two primary ways that I typically ignore God's directions in my life. One is disobedience, and the other is distortion. Disobedience and distortion. Let me give an example of this. Um, when, when we as believers, or, or unbelievers, we as people, when we view something like marriage as a necessary thing that we do um, to have the relationship that we want, when we minimize the covenant and the, the commitment of marriage, when we cheapen the, even the wedding day as just a, the chance to have a party, then what we've done is we've taken something that God designed and that we've, we've, we're using it out of context. My parents, as many of you know, um, were divorced when I was younger. And when that happened, it brought a disobedience that had huge implications in for the rest of my life and for my parents' life and my brother's and sister's life. And so when we ignore God's directions, when we disobey him, then it leads, always leads to brokenness. There's another thing that we do is God gives us often good things and we abuse those things or we distort those things. That could be something like work where we, we think work is what fulfills us and gives us meaning and value in this life. Or we, or we take something like food, which is, I love to eat. Come on. I love to eat so much. <laughs> but that's the problem. When we, food becomes an idol in our life that brings us comfort when it's not supposed to be doing that. Or in our current culture, one of the biggest distortions we see in our world is as it relates to sex and sexuality. Where it has been elevated to a perspective into a place that is not in, in line with God's design. So disobedience and distortion are, are two of the primary ways that I in my life and many of us disobey God's directions. We disregard him. But here's the thing, and we saw this last week. Even when our disobedience leads us away from God, his heart for us doesn't change. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Because when we're wounded, when, when somebody does something against us, we take it pretty personal and we tend to say, I'm done. I cut off that relationship. But God never does that. Sometimes it's in the middle of our own mess that we created where we finally can come to a place where we hear God most clearly and fully understand his grace. Last week in Jeremiah chapter 29, 
Lavelle showed us how God's grace is evident even when we're in exile. Even when we're in a foreign land, God's grace is present. I want to pick up just a little bit on that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Jeremiah 29. The, the passages that Lavelle read, the scriptures um, Lavelle read last week, give this picture of, of not retreating even when we're in exile, still, still living the life that will bring peace and prosperity to the city that we live in. And that's a key verse for us as a church where our values are to love God, to love people, and to love our city. Continuing on from, from that theme, Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says this, This is what the Lord says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Many of you know this next verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, I've kind of given people a hard time over the years that have claimed Jeremiah 29, 11 as their like, life verse because I don't think a lot of us actually know the context of that verse. Jesus, God said this to the people of Israel, but it was these plans are going to happen in 70 years, right? Whenever we claim that verse, we say tomorrow <laughs> or today even. So I've given people a hard time when they've claimed that verse. But I think it's okay to say, even though this is written for a specific people, the people of Israel that were in captivity in Babylon a long time ago, I think it is okay to, to claim the heart of this verse as something for us. That God does have plans for us. One of the things that I think uh, can throw us a little bit when we look at this and becomes a little bit American is that plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That Most of you know this, but the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was written in Hebrew, the Old Testament, which is Jeremiah, and Greek, the New Testament. And then translators have to say, okay, the Hebrew word is this. The closest English word is this. So they make that decision. The Hebrew word behind prosper is shalom. Does anybody know what shalom means? peace. I don't know about you, but growing up when I read the word prosper, I was like, money. <laughs> That's why we like to claim that verse, right? Shalom is so much more than that. Shalom is what you need, financially sure, what you need in your, in your needs being taken care of, but it's in your relationship with others, and most importantly, peace with God. Shalom. So I just, maybe I ruined that verse for you if you claimed it as money. But I just wanted to point that out. Peace. So what's happening here? What's happening is that the people of Israel, their sin has led them to a foreign land. They rejected the directions of God and they're in a foreign land. And what God is saying here, he's saying, when you finally understand when you finally see where your sin has led you, then you will call on me. Pray to me. And I will listen to you. Let me say that again. 
when you finally understand, where you finally see where your sin has led you, Jeremiah 29 says, then you will call on me, pray to me, and I will listen to you. What does he say? You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Many of us must feel the loss of God in order to have the desire to seek him. What does loss feel like? What does it feel like to lose relationship with God? Well, number one, I think it it means recognizing where we have rebelled against God's good design and purpose for our life. Oh, yeah. It means realizing that where you are now is not where God wants you to be. And it means admitting that God hasn't abandoned you. You abandoned him. It takes humility. It takes desperation. It takes a, a recognition of our own sin to come to this place. And that's what God is speaking to the people of Israel. When you finally understand, when you finally see where your sin has led you and is leading you, then you will call on me. Then you will pray to me and I will listen to you. We see this in the the illustration of the prodigal son. When he finally comes to his senses, he wakes up in the, the, the pig trough and going, what am I doing? And what I love about this story is as he comes to his senses and he runs home, what he is hoping, what he is, the, 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 the maximum hope that he has as he's going back to his father is that he could just live as a servant in his father's house. Because he knows even as a servant, it's better than what he was trying to do himself. That was his maximum hope. Luke 15, 21 says this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled for compassion, with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He saw him from a long way off. What does that mean? I think it means he was looking for him. I think it means he was waiting for his son to come back. And I think that's true today for so many people that are far from God. He is waiting for you to come. Notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, all right, here's the conditions. No. In fact, he told his other son, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. My son is back. Why would Jesus tell this story? Because this is exactly how God feels about us. This is what he desires for us. We may ignore his design. We may reject his directions. But he is always looking for us. He was always waiting for us. He is a pursuing God. And so when we realign with God's direction in our lives, we join him with him in his destiny. And what is that destiny? It's heaven. Or as Jesus said to the thief on the cross, paradise. 
And paradise is not just a place that we go to, but it's a person, the person of Jesus. It's the one that welcomes us in. It's the one who said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm going to send you there. Jesus is the center of that paradise. So how do we find the direction of God? If you're lost today, if you're, if you're not sure about your destiny, you're not sure about your purpose, you feel like you're just going through the motions of life, how do you find the direction of God? Here's the list, okay? You got notes? No, there's no list. <laughs> Here's the answer. Prayer. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. This is it. The relationship that God desires to have with us, the direction that we need, it comes through prayer. It's that simple, and we make it much more difficult than that. We can come to God and we can say, oh God, will you forgive me? Will you accept me? Will you love me? And the answer is always yes. He looks at us with compassion. So here's the point. If, if right now today you are uncertain about what to do next, you're confused about what is right, or you're lost in your own sin, the way out of that, the way forward is to come to God, to seek God. Because God has a design, a direction, and a destiny for everything in this life. In the macro, galaxical, it's a new word, standpoint, and for you as an individual, for your marriages, for your education, for your work, for your friends, all of those things God has a direction that he wants you to know. He's not hiding it from you. In fact, he desperately wants you to know it. And that's why he came in the person of Jesus. God came in the flesh. He experienced life as we experienced in the person of Jesus to make a way for us to know who he is. Just as the invisible attributes of God were made known in his creation, they were made known in Jesus as well. And Jesus invites us, just as he did that thief on the cross, to know him, to be with him in paradise. That's our destiny for those that follow his directions as the way, the truth, and the life. So we're going to close today. Our worship team is going to come back up. We're going to close today with prayer, with a song. We're actually going to have... Um, a handful of leaders up here in the corners of the stage. Because we can pray to God at any point, but sometimes it's helpful to pray with others as well. And so we're going to make that available to you. As we sing this last song, if you would like to come forward for prayer, Jack and Linda will be on this side, and Jessica and I will be on that side. We would love to pray with you. And so would you stand with me as we sing this last song? And Father, we respond right now through this singing of this song, but we also respond with our hearts, Lord. We thank you for your compassion for us. We thank you that you are God that is intentional. 
and that pursues us. And so, Lord, in these final moments together, may we know the truth of your word that when we seek you, we will find you. When we pray to you, you will answer us. And Lord, for those that are heavy of heart, that are finding themselves in a foreign land, I pray today would be the day they choose to come back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.